Welcome to the first edition of the Authentic Learning Podcast. The intention of this podcast is to discuss authentic learning and all things education with progressive educators from Green School and from around the world. Educators who are pushing the envelope to bring education up to speed with our rapidly evolving world. With my guests, we'll examine what the future of schools should and could look like by discussing authentic learning, what it means to them, and why it is important for our children and our future. I'm here today with Noan Fesnu, Green School Educator. Noan has taught across all learning neighborhoods with an emphasis on environmental science, enterprise, outdoor ed, and entrepreneurial studies. He holds a graduate degree in education technology and has served as Green School's faculty representative of our board of directors and is Green School's Green Projects Coordinator. Noan has been integral in creating Green School's LEAP program, which functions as somewhat of a school within a school. LEAP students are off the normal timetable for a six-week block and immersed in real-world projects as part of a team while also creating space for each student to work on their own personal projects. Many of Noan's projects and those of his students are legendary here at Green School. It's often said that Noan puts the legitimacy into our claim as a progressive school. While Green School has earned quite a bit of acclaim around the world as a model of progressive education, Noan is the one who often keeps helping us push the envelope. So Noan, welcome. It's an honor to have you as our first guest on Authentic Learning. Oh, well, thank you very much. That was uh, quite the introduction. I'm feeling quite flattered. Well earned. So Noan, I'd like to start by asking you, what is your definition of authentic learning? What does it mean to you? So authentic learning to me really means that you're taking the learning process and it's happening all within the student. It's not a didactic form. It isn't just about transferring information from someone who is learned to the learner. Uh, authentic learning is when the student is gaining experience, taking in the world around them and making sense of it. They're meaning makers, essentially. And any activity that gives them that space, to me, is authentic. Yeah, I really like that definition. It actually reminds me of, of uh, something one of our, our former colleagues, Aaron Eden, used to like to say, is that a teacher's role is to model advanced learning, right? Like, like we don't have all the information. We're learning every day along with everybody, right? So what we can do is, is model that, show the students, okay, this is a problem. How do we solve it? What, what's our next step? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that uh, feeling. And I've seen examples of that in the class all the time. Those are actually the classes that to me are the best ones. When I go out with the students and don't know what to expect exactly, but through the process, uh, we get to learn together and see, see where it takes us. Yeah, wonderful. So you've been instrumental in, uh, in starting and establishing the high school's LEAP program. It's been through a few iterations. Um, how would you describe our LEAP program in its current incarnation and, and what you believe its benefit is to our students? So at the moment, LEAP is all about trying to make space for kids to do real projects, uh, either on campus or using Bali as their, as their canvas. Uh, it originally went from something that had the same uh, feelings, but required certain amount of structure and we've moved towards a whole bunch of different systems and ultimately what we've come to the conclusion is that 
the kids need to take ownership of these projects. So it's really important to move away from the idea that we can come to them with a great idea and they just accept that and move forward to a state where they're implicit in the design of that idea and understanding how that could happen. Great stuff. And, and what have you seen in the students coming through this? Uh, I've seen a lot of them all of a sudden their engagement levels go up, go through the roof. They tend to be pretty excited about going to school and Green School has that in general. Uh, the kids seem happy to come to school here in general, but not every class has kids who will come in early or stay late just because they're excited to get what they're doing done. And so we found with the LEAP program in our high school and in just in conversations around the world that there's certainly a bit of a tension between taking students off the timetable, such as our LEAP program does, and trying to keep them connected to the foundational skills that, that are, we believe they need to enter the world. And I'm wondering if you believe that, that authentic learning can exist in its truest form within a structured timetable, or do you feel that that timetable puts up barriers? Uh, a bit of both. Really, this is where the professionalism of the educator comes into it. You can have classes which are uh, very authentic in how they tap the students and follow a timetable structure but it requires a master storyteller. And that's something that's pretty rare in education in general. And so when you move towards something where the students have a lot more flexibility and uh, autonomy in how they're doing things, you take away that variable as one that leads to authentic learning. So what I've, been, what I've experienced is I don't have to be great at posing the questions or uh, putting together a structure for the kids to really buy into what we're doing. I just have to get them there. And then the, the environment takes them the next step. But in a more standard class, you really have to put a lot of effort into how you're framing it. Now, I, I do question the fact that we, we say that there is foundational skills and I wonder if those in themselves are, are necessarily the foundational skills. Throughout history, we've seen what we consider essential in education change. And a lot of things that we don't do today, 150 years ago, would have been seen absolutely required, such as logic or Latin. And we don't even bother with those today, and we get along just fine. Sometimes. <laughs> so that, that brings a question up to, is one, one problem people often have with, with focusing our system on cultivating skills is, is how do you measure that and how do you assess that? And, and it's not always black and white, you know, and people coming from a more traditional education system are often asking that question and often a little uncomfortable with a little bit more of a subjective assessment that, that can't be quantitated easily. So I, my question for you is, is your thoughts on assessing 
education such as that takes place in Leap and, and that is a little more open-ended. So to me, assessment and evaluation, all these things reek a bit of quality control. It's more the industrialized model of education. They're, they're tools that we use to make sure that we're getting the same product again and again and again. And it doesn't sound very human, really. So I question our whole sort of evaluation system, in a sense. Uh, every student has different skills, and they learn at different levels. So why are we subjecting them all to a blanket statement about what they need to be? Now, on the flip side, I think one of the most valuable things that you can do for a student is provide really high-quality feedback. And so it's not to say that we should never look at the work of the student and critique it. That's a critical piece in how they can develop and further their skills. However, when we're doing it in a more industrial format, grading 20 papers uh, at the end of a unit and looking at all looking at a rubric to judge it and then sending them all the comments in a asynchronous fashion i'm not entirely convinced that is providing them with a, a a path towards better learning i feel that maybe if we sat down with them and read through their paper and had a talk about what they're writing and rather than throw down a grade which kind of ends the dialogue we talk about where it could progress everybody can have see progress in their writing and i think that's an important thing when it comes to evaluation is just making sure that it's more about helping a student understand how they can grow and learn more rather than us being able to create sort of a benchmark of where they are relative to other students and do you think in that model that there is even a place for grades do you think that we should try and abolish grading whatsoever and, and keep it all really formative? Mm. Well, it's interesting because students often say they like grades. And I, I, I like to listen to what students say. But to me, it's almost a bit of a cop-out. When a lot of students say they like grades, it's because they don't want to spend the effort to understand what the deeper meaning of... Uh, how, how their writing is or how they've performed. They don't want to look deeper. They just want kind of a snapshot to tell them. And I think that's one of the dangers of grades is we often use it as a tool to just throw a label on something quickly. And it can, it can reinforce good behavior, but it can also continuously reinforce bad behavior in the sense that students who get consistently low grades start to label themselves as average learner and that may be so far from the case but we we still kind of treat them that way and they treat themselves that way which is even worse indeed and and we're still struggling with with other institutions of learning needing to see well what did this student do here to prove that they can be successful as our institute mm -hmm. of learning so that well that's that's one of the chicken or the egg sort of situations uh, we we have to get our students well we don't have to but we like to say that we're able to give our students every opportunity available to them and for that there's a lot of desire to play with the system that lies there 
Universities on the flip side are increasingly saying the system isn't working for us. It's not creating the types of learners that we want. And yet they're reinforcing that by maintaining the same standards for getting in to a university. So I think it requires, it requires a strong forum of uh, like-minded parties. And it almost, in my mind, requires people to create partnerships and networks of common understanding of how evolution, the evolution of education would be. So that universities are saying, yes, this is the types of qualities we'd like in students, and uh, secondary schools or even primary schools are saying these are uh, pathways that you could take, and these options would be available to you. Yeah, that's wonderful. And we've recently come across an organization that is doing just that, a consortium of schools called the Mastery Transcript Consortium oh, wow. that are working to create high school transcripts that are focused on skills rather than grades to show that these students have mastered these skills. And they're, they're getting enough progressive and like-minded schools together to create something that they can take to universities and say, hey, this is more valuable than that old model of A's and B's and 3.85's and... I hope that in my life I'll see these guys supplant uh, things like the SAT, which obviously aren't doing the trick when it comes to thinking about what an innovative student has to be. And they're not always a great predictor of success in university studies either. So <clears throat> you did your graduate studies on educational technology. Um, and you're our Green Projects Coordinator at Green School, which, which often means being out and about and building and getting dirty. Um, there's a little bit of a tension there between technology and experiential and, and being out in it. And, and often people feel students are pulled too much into technology and whatnot. So I'm wondering where you see the, the, the relationship and how does technology have a place in, in authentic and experiential learning? So, I mean, technology is kind of a fact of life nowadays. It, it would be uh, kind of silly to try to go with a more Luddite style and say, well, we don't want to deal with technology, so we'll just push it aside. But it also is a bit invasive in the sense that a lot of what uh, occupies not only our school time, but also our recreation time, ends up focusing around technology. And... I'm an optimist, so I feel that maybe technology just needed enough time to become robust enough so that we can really start integrating it with nature. Now we've got things like uh, smartphones that are waterproof and have macro cameras on them, and suddenly we're getting a tool that actually serves as a better interface device with learning about nature and getting out and getting dirty. Uh, Ten years ago, that would have been unheard of. We would have had technology that had to be kept in a hygienic clean room, and taking your laptop out into the field was something that only scientists could do with high-end laptops. Nowadays, it's getting more and more to the point where we can take that technology out into the field and use it in a really constructive fashion. So you shared with me... Uh, a really interesting book that I've really loved about progressive education. It's called Teaching as a Subversive Act by Neil Postman and Charles Weingartner. 
Now, this book reads as if it could have been written yesterday, and, and it calls for a revolution of sorts in schools that would fit my views on authentic learning, and I think some of yours for sure as well, with a heavy emphasis on inquiry-based learning. However, it turns out this book was written in 1968. And I'm wondering why you think it is that progressive education of this sort has been so slow to take hold in a widespread manner. So one of the chapters in the book do uh, discuss the idea that when you're teaching students to really think, uh, it, it requires change. And change isn't what necessarily the people in power want. They, they have come to power through the status quo. And so change for them is a fearful uh, thing. They're not interested in change. And if we don't get the message out, don't get the words out about what change could look like and how necessary it is, because change is actually necessary for our survival. It's not just something that is nice and we're, we're not always growing we're keeping up with the fact that everything else is changing too. Uh, but governments, above all, are interested in maintaining what they see as a comfortable position to keep them in power. So it's up to a bit more of the the proletariat, the, the people down, uh, the commoners, if you will, to take that idea and... Uh, and try to grow it from grassroots organizations, uh, grow it through any channels they see fit, whether it's defecting from the system or whether it's going to Indonesia where people are capable of doing a bit crazier things without government uh, crashing down on them. Uh, it, it just requires people to take measures against that. Yeah, and I would agree, right? And the, and the real meaningful change always comes from the bottom up. And, mm -hmm. and and our our next generation, if they're coming up and they're the new leaders of our world, if we can influence them, that hey, we do need to make meaningful change to keep the species going on Earth, then then perhaps your optimism is, is well. well another book you you threw my way uh, was Sapiens, and it discussed very much that notion that we are uh, we're species capable of infinite imagination and that change has been so much a part of what we are and how we do things but it doesn't mean our institutions like it and so we we kind of as human beings have this duality that we got to deal with all all the time do you feel that that this move toward more inquiry-based learning and more progressive education, what we're talking about today and what we're trying to do here at Green School and other progressive schools around the world, do you feel it's picking up momentum? Do you feel it's picking up steam? Or do you feel we're still on the fringes and there were schools on the fringes in 1968 and, and we're not really making headway yet? I, I feel like it's picking up momentum in the sense that, and this is where technology also comes into play, both as a uh, disseminator of ideas and models, but also in really allowing for a bit more flexibility. Because I think one of those steps that is part of this process towards more authentic learning is when you use the word differentiation. And it was impossible to differentiate when you had one textbook. Nowadays, differentiation is pretty commonplace. A lot of schools uh, have it in in their sort of uh, 
structure. Now, moving a bit beyond differentiation would be where the students actually are taking complete ownership of what they're doing rather than just getting a different assignment. And so I think these are trends that are picking up, hopefully. What would you highlight as the most important evolutions happening around the world in schools today that you feel need to happen to make our learning more authentic in schools? So one of them is something that uh, as a uh, educator of youth doesn't seem totally uh, in the realm, but I think it's that education is seen as an experience that everybody should have all the time. And you see this in the rise of things like co-working spaces. You see adults doing continuing education all the time. People going on on holidays for a learning experience rather than just uh, relaxation. And I think this is a really positive trend. It's changing how we view learning. It's an enjoyable activity. It's something that everybody can be involved in. And that is going to, I think, really start influencing more and more how we do school. Uh, another one that I feel really positive about is the, uh, the refocusing on uh, STEAM, so science, technology, engineering, arts in there, of course, and maths. And as, that, as a field grows and people find that things like makerspaces uh, are really great tools for this, you'll see uh, a greater diversity in what students are doing in an individual cohort or a group of students. They'll really be taking on projects that are meaningful to themselves and learning quite uh, discrete pieces of information, but still sharing them and sharing that experience with one another. Wonderful. No, and I really appreciate your time. It's been a real pleasure to to have you, and uh, we look forward to seeing more of your projects come to fruition here at Green School. Well, thanks a lot. I feel honored to be the first of your podcasts. It's a pretty rad setup, and I look forward to hearing more of them. <laughs>